When was the last time you found a professional look that fits so well you felt like you could take on anything? Indochino believes you shouldn't fit your clothes, they should fit you. Your body, personality, and style. Because finding the perfect fit is about more than your measurements, it's how you show the world who you are. Design every detail of your suit to be totally you with Indochino's new women's wear line. Simply submit your measurements online or visit an expert style guide at an Indochino showroom. They have hundreds of high-quality fabrics and details to choose from and are always adding new options so you can add your own flair. With endless ways to customize, designing an outfit is easy. Just tell Indochino how you want it, and that's how they'll make it. Find your perfect fit and stand out in style with a custom suit from Indochino. For 10% off, use promo code WOMEN when you visit Indochino.com to book a showroom appointment or place an order. That's I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O dot com, promo code WOMEN. Welcome to the Terrible Podcast with your host from SteelersDepot.com, where you can find all your latest and greatest Steelers news. It's Dave Bryan and Alex Kazora. always lit, talking Steelers. And now... Here's Dave and Alex. Welcome to the Terrible Podcast, Season 13, Episode 78. He's Dave Bryan. I'm Alex Kazora, SteelersDepot.com. Thanks for being back with us here this Monday, Steelers Nation, coming off the divisional games and get, getting ready for the AFC and NFC title games. It'll take place uh, next Sunday. And then there were four. And Dave, uh, truth be told, I only saw one play the entire Cowboys 49ers game. It was the last one, and I'm still trying to figure out what the heck that was supposed to be. Yeah, all of that for that. You know, <laughs> uh, that, that was kind of my reaction on Twitter. And uh, uh, I can't I, I forgot to go to pro football uh, focus this morning. Did uh, did Zeke get charged with a pressure? <laughs> <laughs> I think so. And here's the other thing that instantly ran through my mind. Uh, you know me and running backs and, and, and paying running backs a lot of money specifically, uh, you know, uh, let alone drafting them in the first round. Uh, Zeke is now scheduled to make almost $11 million in 2023. And uh, I think he didn't he have something like under 900 yards rushing this past year. Long story short, and uh, uh, and, and not trying to turn this into Cowboys Depot uh, here, although the uh, Stephen A. Smith uh, Depot show uh, probably will be worth <laughs> tuning into today because <laughs> he hates the Cowboys and gives it to uh, his old buddy there. Uh, what's his name? Skip, uh, Skip Bayless. Yeah, Skip Bayless there. Uh, but the thought ran through my head last night with, uh, with Zeke scheduled to earn 11 million next year. And, you know, the Cowboys, you know, look, every team's going to have to probably look at cap situations one way or the other. Was that, was, could that potentially have been Zeke's last snap in a Cowboys uniform? It and may it, have. And if it was, how, how crazy is that? It may have been. Now I know that Jerry Jones loves Zeke has always stood by Zeke and also congrats to you, Dave. That might've been a record for the first, the earliest fungible quote in a, in a terrible podcast ah. episode. That was, that was record record time. You hit that one. And then to your point, Tony Pollard, their best backs, a, a day three kind of guy, although I think he broke his leg in that game, which is unfortunate for him. But yeah, I don't know too much about the future of Zeke. It would not surprise me, but I also know that Jerry loves Zeke Elliott. 
Man, that's bad about uh, about Tony, isn't it? I, I really like that kid. What is it about those Memphis backs? I know Gibson Pollard. You know, uh, and as soon as he went down, I I, I put out there on Twitter, man. I, you know, he's lucky that thing didn't snap. And uh, unfortunately, you see him getting carted off with a towel up over his head. Uh, you know, after not too long after that. Uh, wow. Well, I guess we'll start there, right? Uh, the 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 game's over the weekend. Yeah, to keep it as close to the Steelers and AFC North as possible, the Cincinnati Bengals, one of those final four teams beating the Buffalo Bills pretty convincingly, 27 to 10 in Buffalo in the snow on Sunday. You know, I know that obviously Burrow in the past game gets so much attention and understandably so T Higgins, what those guys do, but that Bengals run game to me has always been underrated. They ran for well over 100 yards, average over five yards per carry, despite an offensive line that's, that's lost a lot of pieces. Um, Joe Mixon to me has always been a pretty solid back and that run game I thought was, was pretty valuable yesterday. You know, one of the narratives coming into this game going or co- going into that game was the shape of that offensive line. You know, this is a, a Bengals offensive line that, you know, got a lot of talk about during the off season, uh, last year. Right. And they went out and added some, some pieces that, you know, I, I think, I, I thought were kind of questionable overall. And then they lost some of those guys to uh, uh, to injury. Here is your starting five yesterday against the uh, uh, against the Bills, uh, Alex. Uh, Jackson Carmen at left tackle. Uh, Volson, uh, that young kid out of, uh, where was he, North Dakota State. Right? A year ago, we were talking about him at, I think, the Shrine Bowl. Uh, mm-hmm. Karras at center. Uh, uh, sharp, sharping at right guard and, uh, 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 at, at right tackle. Cause remember they had, uh, Liel, uh, get hurt. I mean, they've, the fact that they piece that offensive line together. I mean, how many of these guys were week one starters, Alex? I Karras and Jonah Williams, at left tackle, I believe are the only two. Right, but Carmen. Uh, oh no! Uh, well, well, yeah, Jonah was hurt, so yeah, it right. wasn't even him. Yeah, um, I think it was just just Karras is the only starter in that game. <laughs> okay, and this was already a, a unit that you know was questionable last off season. They addressed it, and even after they they addressed it, you're like, no, wasn't Alex Kappa supposed to be one of these guys? He was inactive yesterday as well. He too, was hurt. Right? Yeah, he was right. supposed to be. They had they had. Four new starters to the O-line this year. Only Williams was returning at left tackle. But for this game, I believe Karras was the only actual starter from week one. All right. So what? what is Steve that? Wilson. And look, I mean, I, I know Buffalo's, you know, ha- hadn't been perfect, you know, at times against the run uh, this year. But I mean, what does it say about, you know, that Bengals offensive line in the in the state that it was in on Sunday that they were able to get done what they got done? It is weird because they did this last year with a bad offensive line that got upgraded this offseason. How many times was Burrow sacked in the playoff run last year to the Super Bowl? I mean, like 20-something times. And so I don't really know how they're doing it. It's kind of like the Steelers in uh, 08 with that line of like mm-hmm. Darno Stapleton and Hartwig. I mean, it wasn't a good offensive line. They made it work. Obviously, I think quarterback play, again, masks and compensates for a lot of otherwise bad play across your offense so when you have you know burrow and chase and higgins and you have those guys really playing great football um that i guess that can overcome a pretty shoddy offensive line 
Well, that's kind of where I'm was was where I was trying to lead lead you to drink from right there was the fact that and look, I'm not going to say offensive line is is overrated, uh, at, you know, but within all that, uh, I mean, quarterback play and you know, obviously play calling and execution. Man, they got some receivers over there, don't they? Uh, in 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 Boyd and obviously Chase and Higgins. Uh, Hurst has really come up big for them at times mm-hmm. throughout throughout the year as well too. They've got uh, guys that can catch the ball out of the backfield and in in mixing and all. Uh, I guess what I'm saying is you know, I, I and and the Steelers we've said this several times. I mean, you look at what the Steelers were able to get done with their offensive line just from a health standpoint and how unlikely we are to see that again. You know, I think you know when you get to this off season, without a doubt, they've got to. They've got to address this offensive line during a draft at some point, uh, if 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 not for anything, because they're going to have to add some depth to it, uh, and then you know add some uh, competition that will push right out of the shoot as well too. But I just think it speaks volumes that this team was able to beat a Buffalo Bills team in Buffalo in the snow, uh, the whole Demar Hamlin storyline. Uh, I didn't. I didn't give Cincinnati a chance in this game. I I really did not at all. And no. and for what they were able to do, and look, we haven't even talked about what they were what they were able to do on on the defensive side of football. Right, Mike Hilton making plays hmm. to me. Sam Hubbard's always been underrated. Logan Wilson's been such a key piece as an off-ball linebacker. The secondary with Bates and Bell, it's a solid group overall. And so they'll take on the Chiefs and they'll face the you know, potentially limping Patrick Mahomes who did enough to, to beat Jacksonville, but seems to have some sort of ankle sprain and obviously expect him to play in that game, but never want to see a, a top player like Mahomes not be at his very best. Yeah. Uh, and kudos to him from being able to get himself back in that game and, you know, making a few things happen on top of it there. So uh, get a repeat of last year's AFC championship game. That should be entertaining. And uh Man, here we are talking about the Bengals again. I mean, what's 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 the common takeaway from from the final four overall? Yeah, it's it's interesting. I mean, you know, I, my first thought was going to be quarterback play, but then you have a, a Brock Purdy in there as the outlier, as the seventh round pick, a, a literal Mister Irrelevant. But I mean, he's played well, and the scheme's been great. And you talk about how you know scheme can can match personnel and elevate personnel. No one does it better than. Kyle Shanahan and the San Francisco 49ers. Yeah, absolutely. And I think one thing, and this is something that you and I talked about, you know, all throughout the season here. And fine, we, I think we highlighted a couple, couple of shows ago that, man, it's, it, it's good to see some other people finally grasp hold of this now. Uh, yards after the catch just, it just, you know, can't be talked about enough when it comes to the Steelers coming out of this uh, season. Uh, you look at uh, Sports Info Solutions, uh, and look, you, you can go to, I think ESPN keeps uh, team stats on this. I mean, uh, most of them pro football focus. Most of them are going to be pretty close in line with what the actual numbers are. But, uh, you know, Sports Info Solutions, I think, does a great job of uh, organizing all this stuff. Uh, I went back this morning and pulled a couple of spreadsheets and numbers on that. Uh, the Steelers averaged four, a little over 4.05 yards, yards after per 
per catch last season, and they were last in the NFL uh, oh. uh, when it comes to that number during the regular season. So, in other words, on on every catch, you uh, on on an average, they average only four little over four yards per catch there. You look at the top five teams in the NFL uh, regular season overall, the 49ers at 6.78. I mean, that's 2.73 more yards after the catch, uh, them alone. The Chiefs, 6.71. This was a bit surprising. The Panthers at 6.54. The Lions at 6.07, and then the Eagles 6.03. So those top five teams in average yards uh, after the catch, all over six. And then you got the Steelers at 4.05 in last in the NFL. Uh, You want to talk about a good place to start with this offense uh, and, 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 you know, making it better uh, for a young quarterback in 2023. It's, it's, what we've been talking about for most of the season there, it's yards after the catch. It's getting guys running out in space. Uh, less of these curls and comebacks and out routes and uh, more of these overs and slants and, you know, that uh, seams and, and stuff like that, you know, that, that, that will tr- uh, tremendously increase things because, and I'm not going to make a, I don't, I'm not trying to make this in, uh, sound like a one-to-one comparison here because it obviously isn't. But when you look at just uh, uh, average depth of completion for quarterbacks uh, during the regular season uh, last year, uh, completed air yard average, you have uh, Patrick Mahomes at 5.4, all right? So his average uh, completed air yard distance was 5.4 yards past the line of scrimmage. Kenny Pickett's was 0.1 better than Mm. that at 5.5 and once again i'm not you know i'm not trying to say well there you go kenny's better than 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 mahomes but i mean it just like it just goes to show you that you need more than just that you need the yards after the catch we just mentioned that the chiefs are in the top five in the nfl in yards after the catch average so it's a different kind of completed air yard in there right it is, and that, that's a good way to to kind of break that down even more. What I think is most interesting about the numbers you just gave in terms of the top YAC teams is to see San Francisco in that top spot, and I suppose that in itself is not that surprising. But, you know, on paper, in theory, the Matt Canada offense is supposed to be pretty similar to the Kyle Shanahan-based offense, West Coast, play action, boots. Actually, in some respects, I, I believe that, Shanahan kind of learned some of this stuff from Matt Canada, you know, in his in his earlier days. But it feels like the Canada offense is the it's the old student surpassing the master where the the Canada offense was built to a degree. It laid a foundation and other coaches took it, ran with it and built off it. And Canada never really has. And so, you know, schematically, philosophically, I think it's similar to what teams like the 49ers want to do. But those other teams just execute it and scheme it at a much higher level. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, I mean that that's what, and going back to that stat real quick of the, uh, completed air yard, uh, average, uh, Joe Burrow, where was he? 5.6. So you got Mahomes 5.4 Pickett 5.5 Burrow 5.6, uh, Purdy 5.9. 
and who else is in there? Jalen Hurts at 6.1. Uh, who's the other quarterback still alive that, that, uh, that, I, that I haven't talked about? Did you about? get them all? It's Purdy. It's Mahomes and Burrow and uh, Purdy and Hurts. Okay. All right. I got them all there then. Yeah. So, um, once again, I'm not trying to put Kenny Pickett in that category there. I'm just trying to kind of emphasize the importance of the yards after get you. You got a guy like Debo Samuel too. That, that guy should ch- legally change his last name to Yak. <laughs> and um, George Kittle. And, and, and yeah, right. I understand the 49ers, you know, you can argue they have more talent and, and, and you're probably right about that. I don't think Pittsburgh's devoid of talent. They don't have a George Kittle or a Debo Samuel. So I understand you would still maybe expect the 49ers to have better numbers, but not a difference between literally the best versus literally the worst. And the 49ers are on their third quarterback, a, a seventh round rookie. So to me, the talent stuff doesn't, uh, it, it isn't a valid enough argument to me. So again, just to see that yak disparity when in theory on paper, both offenses should, should function pretty much the same. Right. So uh, interesting. Oh, and, and, yeah, I'm just trying to r- kind of to wrap about you know, p- immediately after seeing what happens in these kind of games and the Steelers not being it, you know, um, you start seeing, well, how close are the Steelers? What do the Steelers need to do to 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 get in this area? And then here's the other thing. <laughs> going to set a record, maybe get into this in the part podcast as well, too. You know, the uh, intended air yards. You know, I mean, mm. not not intended air yards. The uh, adjusted, adjusted adjusted net yards for passing attempt stat. Uh, when you look at that from uh, from the regular season compared to where we are at at right now, if I would quit putting a question mark in here and put a uh, slash, I can go over these real quick. All right, uh, of the uh, final four teams still alive right now, when looking at uh, adjusted net yards for passing uh, attempt differentials uh the eagles finished their season number one the 49ers mm. number two the chiefs number three and the Bengals number six and <laughs> uh one thing that sticks out about all those is uh the defensive adjusted net yards per passing attempt stat remember we've we've talked about this 5.8 number quite a bit uh you got to be probably around that 5.8 or less to have a good chance uh, at, at making a run at it, not, you know, overall, uh, all four of those teams have a 5.8, uh, defensive adjusted net yards for passing attempt stat or, or lower. And then on the offensive side of the football, uh, man, you got three of the four teams over seven. You have the Eagles at 7.2, uh, the, uh, the 49ers at 7.5, the chiefs at 7.9, and then the Bengals at 6.7. So, uh, the Bengals, you're bringing in kind of the lower side of that, but their defense was good enough that, that it produced a positive, uh, differential between the two sides of 0.9. And, you know, my theory has always been, you better be at you know, at, at a 1.0 differential uh, or better heading into the playoffs. If you're going to make a run at this thing, they're they're right there at 0.9. But chalk up another victory for, for that stat that everybody hates me talking about. And uh, the Steelers finished at a 5.0 uh, offensive adjusted net yards for passing attempt stat uh, and a defensive stat, which, you know, wasn't bad considering how they started and losing Watt and yada, yada at 5.9. So their offense glaringly was the difference in there. And we have to see that number go from 5.0. 
I mean, if you want, if you want to talk about this team actually making a run to to at least six point seven uh, next year, I mean, that's 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 asking for a huge jump in that number. It is, but it is pretty wild to see the predictive power of that stat, like the clear correlation and causation between the teams that rank highly in that stat always are the teams that are finishing at the very end. So it's it's I like that stat because it, that seems to be the one that really tells you who the actual truly best teams are. Right. And look, you usually get that picture painted with this stat by week seven, you know, it because obviously it takes, a you know, because one game can really shift a stat early, you know, shift the stat early in the season. But man, by the time that you get to week seven, week eight of the season uh, with this stat, you can usually say, well, this team's going to the playoffs and, and Mike can make a run or this team's not, you know, and as you say, for, for, for Kenny Pickett, about six games in, you'll have a pretty good feel for where he's at. So week seven will probably be very important for the Pittsburgh Steelers to check in on how their season and how their future looks. I, I agree. Look, uh, tr- the tape trumps all right, you know, uh, but with within that, you can look at certain, you know, of these advanced analytics and. I mean, there, there, there's not a stat that I look at more on a weekly basis. I don't think than there is just you know thumbing around some of this uh, uh, just a net yards for passing attempt stat because you you've got to be able to throw the football uh, throughout an NFL season. We are 20 minutes in and some bingo cards are already mm. filled out. I think so. Uh, so good job on that. But uh, yeah, exciting divisional games and uh, certainly looking forward to the championship games on Sunday. Although I'll be flying out for the Senior Bowl, so I always kind of miss uh, some of these games. Anyway, George you... George Kittle. <laughs> what, yeah, there you go. What a guy. Well, that's, a, that's a free that, space. That's there, already there. You go. Uh, man, that guy is something. It, he's fun to watch. <laughs> he is. Uh, let's see here. Let's go back to Pittsburgh and focus in on them. Not a lot of news here in terms of hard news this weekend. Brian Flores reportedly interviewing with the Arizona Cardinals Monday morning for their uh, vacant head coaching opening. And then also reported over the weekend, the Minnesota Vikings requested an, an interview with Brian Flores for their DC job after firing Ed Donatel after one year. Uh, Kevin O'Connell and the head coach of Minnesota and Brian Flores have some ties back to the, their time in New England. And uh, Flores also has ties to the new GM in Arizona. So that's the latest update there. Still no hirings for either of those spots in, in Minnesota or Arizona. And frankly, I'm not sure when those will happen. It sounds like, you know, the, the Broncos are pretty slow moving in this thing in their head coaching search. I've talked about how I think Sean Payton's the domino that has to fall. He's not talking to, to Denver until Wednesday. We may not know for still another week or so in terms of where these pieces will fall. So, you know, it's kind of been a really long and drawn out process. I, I tell you, I, you know, going back a couple of weeks ago, I, my gut was telling me our floor is probably, you know, maybe not it might end up even staying in Pittsburgh, but you know, I think it's a game changer or was a game changer when they announced that new general manager over there and, and, and the ties that uh, him and Flores have going all the way back to the Patriots there. Uh, that's hard to, that's hard to ignore at this point. And you know, I think all the betting sites or most of the betting sites have Flores as the, as the uh, favorite now w- when it comes to that. So I guess at this point, I'll be more shocked if Flores doesn't get that job. And then I guess it becomes, uh, will he find, something that suits him favorably from a defensive coordinator job or, and, or 
is a lot of this just Rooney rule satisfaction, you know, satisfying the Rooney rule kind of thing. Right. Yeah, it's hard to know for sure. Again, just what's on the board right now for Flores. He's interviewed with Atlanta. He's uh, interviewing right now, essentially, with Arizona and expected to interview later this week with Minnesota. And so those are the three teams on the board. He interviewed with Cleveland. They hired Jim Schwartz. And so that's taken off the table. So I really don't know how this will go. I thought we would have more answers by now. We're getting close to answers. answers. It feels like we're still a ways away from kind of all the pieces falling into place across the league. Who do you want to see in a Super Bowl? We forgot to do our pre-playoff kind of Super Bowl picks that we do annually. Shame on us. But at this point, who 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 would you like to see in the Super Bowl? Well, I was sticking with my preseason picks of, of Buffalo over Philadelphia. Now, Buffalo, clearly, that is not going to happen. Who do I want to see? I mean... I don't have a particular rooting preference, I guess. I mean, AFC, you're going to get a really good quarterback regardless. And then in the NFC, I mean, I picked the Eagles, so I want to see the Eagles if for nothing else, just me to be right about that. Well, I got you. I'd like to see the uh, Eagles and the Chiefs, I think. Okay, yeah, Mahomes hurts. I get that. That'd be fun. Um, But yeah, with Flores, you know, we'll just wait and see. Certainly the ties in Arizona make sense, but, you know, the ownership is going to have a role in picking the head coach as well, I assume. So, you know, they've had a pretty exhaustive search with Vance Joseph, Sean Payton still, I think, potentially in the mix. And so if Sean Payton says, hey, I want to come to Arizona, he probably will be Arizona's next head coach. All right. Uh, Let's let's get to a story. And it's one that seems to come up every I don't know, three or four years on Twitter, Richard Mendenhall. Uh, and I don't even know how to properly frame this one. I'm not even entirely sure where this came from because I wasn't online much yesterday. Maybe you can speak to it more. But Richard Mendenhall taking some shots, it appeared, at Ben Roethlisberger, essentially saying that he's not a leader and just uh, not not too happy with, I guess, the way that he went about his business in Pittsburgh. Yeah, same Richard Mendenhall that I think called Ben Roethlisberger, a racist, a couple of years ago. With the, uh, uh, you're right. It does seem like this happens every and every three years or something along the lines that that he's back in the news. And uh, boy, if he wanted the attention yesterday, uh, we're giving it to him. <laughs> uh, Briefly, I hope, but yeah, we will. Yeah, uh, I, I don't, I don't, I think, I think that ever since that fumble in the Super Bowl and the backlash from that. Uh, I just think he's had a very, very hard time uh, putting that in a rearview mirror. You know, I, 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 I really, really do. And uh, even the st- you know, I didn't. Wasn't there a video just recently of Mike Tomlin? Uh, well, it, it all started from the I think about a week ago. Rashard was back in the Steeders facility. There's some pictures of him on Twitter making the rounds. Uh, Mike Tomlin. Uh, had some sort of video, you know, uh, a nice video directed toward Richard Mendenhall. And then it seems like, you know, he gets that kind of stuff. And then he tweets out a few things, you know, this past week, obviously, the, you know, in some of the replies, the fumbles brought up and, and all I, I, I just don't think he handles all of that well. And I think it causes, causes him uh, to lash out. And look, I don't know anything about his relationship, what it was like with, with, uh, with Roethlisberger and all like that. But something along the way, at least in Mendenhall's side, has frayed it. it. At this point, with this being in the news now, it would be, it would be good to hear Ben Roethlisberger address it 
I don't know if he will or not. He might not. Yeah, I mean, what what do you even say? And you give it more air if he says it, then really brings it to to the 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 forefront. I don't think Ben would be wise to address it. I mean, I there there's something there. Uh, I unless and it very well could be Mendenhall kind of you know manufacturing it himself. You know, uh, in it, but I you know I think all this a lot of this stems back from. The fumble in the Super Bowl and all the backlash that he's has seemed to got or has gotten over the years and all. And, you know, there, he's always been a thinker, the, the thinker type anyway. You know, uh, mm-hmm. he's out there with some of his with obviously with, with some of his thoughts and and, and kind of because of his beliefs that way alienates himself from a large majority of the population, you know, uh, within all that. And yeah, I mean, once again, you know, here's the attention that you asked for. Right. Yeah. I don't have really a whole lot to comment or say other than I think we all just have to, to move on from the, the fumble component. I'm sure, I'm sure it's been tough for Mendenhall to, to give him some grace and fairness where you're on Twitter. And anytime you say anything that can be even moderately disagreeable, then you probably get a million tweets and photos about you fumbling in the Super Bowl. And that's, you know, the, the worst moment of your football career being reminded of that constantly probably isn't, isn't any good for your, for your mental health and sanity, but you know, he's got to move on. He's got to stop talking about the past. And I think Steeler fans have to, to move on as well. It happened. It sucks. It was a decade plus ago, and it's not really worth trying to relive and bring back up every two years. I tell you the most, uh, you know, the most, troubling thing out of all this i think about four hours ago from the time we're recording this somebody tweeted back to him uh, about don't be so foolish richard uh, a lot of running backs would do anything to have experiences you had and you're you're going to put the spotlight on yourself this way with a question mark come on man and then he responds back or kill myself like other players i mean Ooh. that's that's the you know He's struggling with this from a, from a mental aspect, you know, uh, and yeah, I just hope he gets some help and talks to somebody and hopefully the next time we're talking about him, it's not, you know, him doing something to himself or harming himself in any ways. And look, it's unfortunate that this game, you know, uh, the NFL and the fan bases is, uh, you know, that if, if you do have one play like that in a big moment of a big of, of, of the league's biggest game, it, it can end up following you and will end up following you around the rest of your life. But, you know, you, you just got to try to get past it, not let it define you of who you are, you know? Sure. Sure. And just hopefully there's some, you know, people in his community in his life that are checking, checking in on him. So maybe some teammates, I don't know. Uh, some people in his personal life can, can make sure that he's okay because yeah, you never want to see that kind of language or those kinds of thoughts being right. expressed. So right. that's a story there. It came, it became something, you know, late last night. So that's kind of why we're talking about it. And frankly, there isn't a lot else to, uh, to discuss right now. Um, Dave, to, to make the transition into to uh, some, cap, some cap stuff, just give us a quick cap update. I think you have a little bit of new information for us. 
yeah, the whole, uh, you know, they signed Anthony Miller back to the uh, roster, offseason roster last week. That ended up being a, a, a veteran benefit contract, just like uh, we thought it would be uh, as of Saturday morning, based on projections and proven performance escalator raises and the cap being at uh, 200, maybe at $225 million. Uh, I have the team sitting right now with their rule of 51 at $51,148 under the cap. Uh, and once again, I take into account the offseason uh, workout bonus charge placeholder. Uh, I've already accounted for the raises, the, the predicted raises in the, in the proven performance escalators for Alex Highsmith and Kevin Dotson. I already have Cameron Sutton in the dead money category. Uh, uh, as of right now, we'll see what happens there. So, I mean, this team's right. Basically, this team's right at the number. And once again, you can lop a lot of that off. It, with uh, just turning William Jackson loose because that will free up a little over $12 million in salary cap space prior to roster displacement with him. And that gives you, you know, uh, a little bit of money, at least, you know, just a starting point to get some things done in free agency and look, $12 million in cap space with uh, you know some of these re-signings will go a long way when you're talking about roster displacement and 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 all like that. Now, will they need more as the offseason progresses? Obviously, yes. And I know a lot of people don't like me putting out their projected future salary cap space uh, uh, expenses like injured reserve, practice squad, you know, uh, rookie draft pool. But at some point, you it, it, that stuff has to be accounted for. It's just. Where is the line in the sand where that has to be accounted for? So really the, the main thing people really should concentrate on right now is that this team is just 51,000 under the cap. They're obviously going to have to make some moves to free up some cap money uh, uh, by March, uh, by the middle of March, start a free agency uh, to get some things done there. And they will do that. Uh, William Jackson being one of those things. We'll see what happens with, with, uh, with uh, Mitch Trubisky, uh, Miles Jack, you know, th th those kind of things there. So that's your update. Definitely, Dave. Still expecting several cap clearing moves this offseason. I know Matthew Marksy wrote this morning an article, but just asking the question, will Miles Jack be one of those cap casualties? I know we've discussed that a bit as well. Probably not immediately, um, but it is a thought just given the clearing it would, you know, create in Jack probably not being the player that Pittsburgh hoped he would when they signed him. Yeah, I still, from where I sit right now, looking at their situation, I think at the very least he makes it past March 15th uh, and see where it goes from there. Uh, is it possible, however, that that he winds up being a casualty? Yeah, it's, 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 I don't think you can totally discount it. Uh, but this team's got some decisions with a couple of those guys, most notably, uh, Trubisky, uh, and, 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 and Miles Jack there. I, I think those are, uh, two guys to really, really watch here and, and Witherspoon as well, too. You know, I think that's another one, uh, that you can add to the list, but I think the main four to watch between now and, and March 15th are obviously William Jackson, the third. I mean, he's, he's not going to be on this roster at that salary, uh, uh by March 15th. And then it, it probably goes Mitch Trubisky, 
uh, Miles Jack, and then uh, a Keller Witherspoon. Those are the four I think to keep your eye on the most between now and March 15th. Would they do any restructures before free agency, or is that more of a summer clear cap to get ready for 2023 in-season type stuff? Yeah, it doesn't feel like they will need to do it. I mean, could they? Absolutely, they could. There's no roster bonuses involved here that uh, from a timeline aspect that makes you go, oh, we got to get that done now because there's a, a March roster bonus d- uh, due on, on Minka or TJ Watt. Uh, it feels like more of a thing that let's get into the summer where we have those back end of the offseason you know, expenses mm-hmm. that we have to cover. Let's make sure these guys stay healthy. Uh, those guys. So uh, if I was to guess right now, no, we won't see any restructures between at least now and, and March 15th, but obviously any time after that uh, could happen. But I, 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 I tend to believe that it's looking like more of a post start of training camp situation when it comes to restructures on uh on on either Watt, Minka, or both of them. Gotcha. That seems to be the the Steelers MO in terms of when they they most typically restructure contracts. So um anything else that'll happen cap wise aside from cap casualties from from here until like March 15th that it's going to be really worth keeping an eye on. Uh, I don't think overall, no, because, you know, uh, once you get into the offseason, what are you going to do with Alex Highsmith? That that obviously is going to be a big question. Uh, and then the re-signing of your own free agents, uh, you know, Cameron Sutton, obviously lead, leading the list of that. We've already had a pretty good talk about that. We'll talk about him more as we, we get into this thing, I'm sure. Uh, and then how aggressive are you going to be in 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 outside free agency? Are there any other even potential extension candidates besides Highsmith? I know that would take place in, you know, June, July, August, but is it really just Highsmith? It really feels like it's just a Highsmith, uh, Alex. Uh, okay. I mean, uh, let's running down the list here. I mean, Dotson won't be one, you know, Claypool's gone thinking about that 2020 draft class. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I, you know, I'm not seeing, you know, it's too early for, for Firemouth. He needs another year in the league before that can happen. Uh, you just did Deontay. You just gave Chukwuma, a, you know, a deal last off season. Uh, James Daniels, a, a newcomer on a new deal. That's probably not going to nothing there. Mason Cole. No, nah, I mean, you, you, it, 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 it pretty much is uh, Alex Highsmith is the guy that if they do an extension with, he's probably it. Okay. Yeah. And that'll be a big deal if it does get done, obviously. And so it'll be one to watch. But again, that that will not be a deal in all likelihood that will that will take place until the summer, June, probably at the earliest. Right. Once again, it's a situation once the guys get into camp and it might be one of those 11th hour things again. You know, one of those. uh, Now, it'd be interesting to see does does uh, Alex Highsmith do one of those soft. Holdouts, holdings, yeah, the holdings. Yeah. Uh, I mean, now Khan was quicker than Colbert. I mean, because Minka got done in June and Deontay got done only midway through camp. Right. So I think they're a bit quicker now. Here's the thing: if you if, if you if if you know you want to get him done, get him done. Right, because Colbert. I mean, I know that Khan was the contract guy, but Colbert was still 
running the show and they were always the 11th hour deals. TJ Watt, remember Troy was getting on a plane for week one when they signed his deal way back when a decade plus ago. So I th- it feels like there's a bit more urgency and a bit more, as you said, we both want to get the deal done. Let's not play this game and try to wait it out. Let's just get the deal done under Omar Khan. Right. Here's the thing. I I don't think it'll, I will be surprised if it gets done before they get to training camp. Okay. But once you get there, I wouldn't think that it would be that hard to hammer, hammer it out. You know, it gets into, you know, you, are they going to take him a lot down the line with the, at least the first two years of guaranteed money, you know, that, and that's going to be the other big decision with Cameron Sutton here is uh, how much, you know, is, is that, is that wall down now when it comes to your top end resignings and your, your extension, your top extension guys. Right. That's a fair point. Now, I know that Minka was done before camp, but that deal felt easier because everybody knew he was going to become the highest paid safety in football. That was kind of an easier number to start with. I think Heisman's a bit trickier in terms of where you slot him. Obviously, he won't become the highest paid uh, edge rusher on his own team or in the NFL. And so there's a bit tricky. It's a trickier metric in terms of how much you want to pay him. Right. But I think it will get done sometime in the summer uh, during training camp. So. That is the cap update. Anything else changes, Dave, will certainly uh, let us know. Uh, Dave, Senior Bowl coming up here will be uh, in, in Shrine Bowl as well. I think the guys are leaving for the Shrine Bowl on Thursday. I'll be flying out Sunday. Senior Bowl really kicks off for practice uh, just over a week from now, next Tuesday. One guy that will be at the Senior Bowl in Mobile, Alabama, that I think really kind of screams Steeler. I know it's super early in this process for myself and, and just the draft uh, thoughts in general. But Wisconsin defense alignment Keanu Benton, to me, really kind of checks all those boxes that says this guy is a player and a prospect. Pittsburgh's going to be really interested in in watching. Boy, interesting selection uh, by you right out of the box, right? What what uh, what what got you going down his rabbit hole right out of the chute? Because he's 6'4", 317 with long arms and played in Wisconsin. And as a defensive lineman, those are, that's a good place to start. And so I wanted to see more. I know he had the reputation of a good run stuffer um, and has that look and that size. We, we talk about it so much, Dave. It's so hard to find that body type, just not even the play, but just the body type of a, a Steelers defense alignment, the Cam Hayward, Stephon Tewitz, Chris Wormley's of the world. And that's why they liked Isaiah Loudermilk a couple of years ago and, and, and moved up to get him. I mean, Benton to me is that, you know, to a T looks like a defense alignment in Pittsburgh system. Again, 6'4", 317 listed. I don't know his length for sure. He'll weigh in at the senior bowl. It sounds like he's got about 34 inch arms. I mean, that is the way that Pittsburgh wants to build this thing. And his tape has its flaws, but I think he's a good prospect overall. And I believe the uh, you said the Michigan State tape on him is the most impressive uh, of the lot that you watched. Yeah, had a really good game against Michigan State. Um, just kind of the skinny on him. He's strong. Um, he's a former wrestler, understands leverage, uh, you know, hand placement. Uh, he's got a, you know, a little bit of quickness to his game in terms of a pass rusher, some bend. He can penetrate and get in the backfield. He played in that Wisconsin kind of pro-style defense under Jim Leonard that asked him to play as a true zero tech, one tech, uh, in a 3-4 front to stunt, uh, both in run game and pass game to get his hands up. I mean, just kind of, you know, conceptually, a lot of what Wisconsin did, um, Pittsburgh does pretty similar. So it's easier to imagine how he's going to fit in your system. Again, very similar to the evaluation and thought on, on Loudermilk. 
um, two years ago. And so he's got to be, you know, his pass rush, his bull rush is pretty weak. He's got to improve there, be a, a better power rusher. But I just think fundamentally the baseline stuff he checks is very much what Pittsburgh wants. Was he a captain any? I think he was. For, don't they do? Don't the Badgers do them by game or something? Yeah, I don't know if they had team captains. I never uh, saw that. I can. Just oh, wait, to, it says a, a team captain for the. For, yeah, he was a team captain. So uh, there's another box. OK, for you. oh, that's great. There you go. Good information. So, yeah, again, all, all of those boxes. So he checks and I'll watch him in some of the one V ones in Mobile this uh, upcoming week. Man, he looked he looks like it, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah, really built, really. And again, it's so hard to find those guys because there's a lot of tweeners. He's got a lot that of guys to it build to him. Yeah, yeah, and to find the length to go up against. Now he's a more of an interior guy, but I think he can probably play out on the edge if he has to because he's got the size for it and the strength for it. So um, again, it's hard to find those guys that are built like Hayward these days that are like legit, you know, six five, three hundred with thirty three plus inch arms. Very few of them exist, and, and he's one of those guys. Well, I'm very disappointed in you uh, because you got this uh, before the senior ball. Now you're not going to be able to zero in on him and pull him. In other words, uh, all the other beat writers that, that read our stuff are, are, are now <laughs> on to him now. And now you're going to have a crowd around him. Shame on you. <laughs> I do want to talk to him. I hopefully I can, can steal an interview with him um, again, salt of the earth kind of guy. Uh, wrestler and, and a really good wrestler in high school as well. And that's not always the sale end all, obviously, but there's an understanding of leverage and technique and hand use and um, that kind of stuff. And you kind of see that in this play. 32 worthy elite. I mean, it's still way early in this process, no. or is he a more later second round, early third round guy? Yeah, I've had him pegged as more of a day two guy because he's not going to be this high impact pass rusher. Um, you know, he's got a couple of moves, but he's not going to be. It's enough where he's not going to be a lot of right. He's got some pass rush juice, but he's going to be, you know, a three, four sack a season kind of guy. My comp was Dalvin Tomlinson, um, who was a, a wrestler in high school as well, played at Alabama, similar, you know, NFL type system, um, big, strong kind of guy. So I view him as a, as a day two type. Well, that's a hell of a out of the box, out of the shoot shot right there for sure. And we've talked about this team. I feel pretty confident this team is going to address the defensive line in the draft at some point within the first four rounds. Yeah, I think, again, trench trenches is where Andy Weidel builds this thing. And so I think you're going to see a pretty heavy influence there. All right. Uh, anything else, Dave? Uh, it's kind of all, all that I had basically to share today. Should mention, you asked me earlier about what team do I want to see. Again, not that I'm rooting for anything in particular, but to see Juju play in a Super Bowl for the Chiefs, that that would be pretty cool. Yeah, I, I'm 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 rooting for that as well, too. I mean, you got a got qu- quite a few former Steelers. Uh, it's I, I'm not rooting for the Bengals, but man, Mike, what do you think about Mike Hilton's play in that game? And that, that was that was a typical Mike Hilton game, right? Yeah, I mean, he's just one of those fierce corners off the edge, can blitz, annoying, place to run well, tough edge kind of dude. So very much typical Mike Hilton. I mean, you got uh, Juju still alive. You got Mike Hilton still alive. You got Javon Hargrave still alive. Uh, Ray Ray McLeod with the 49ers. So uh, former Steelers going to win a Super Bowl this year. <laughs> That's a good point. I guess somebody will. And so at least somebody is winning playoff games that are former Steelers because the Steelers themselves, it's been a while. All right. All right, Dave, that kind of wraps things up. We can get through some reader emails and close out today's show. Paul Brown, 
uh, Richard Mendenhall, I know you guys uh, won't want to give this much fodder. Paul, we already did, believe it or not. However, Mendenhall is having his yearly outburst over the Super Bowl fumble, Ben, and the other nonsense. He says, personally, as a fan of the players, even after they leave the team, I really think the Steelers need to give the guy some help because this time around he mentioned suicide. Uh, I really hate for something to happen to the guy over something as silly as one play in a game. Uh, or the fans' reaction. I know the diehard listeners of this podcast are reasonable people and have 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 let the play go, but it's been 12 years. Steelers fans need to lay off Richard. Look, as we talked about earlier in the show, unfortunately, every time he makes an appearance on something or points out something on Twitter, you know, uh, it 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 we it's gonna you're gonna get this kind of backlash. Uh, from it. Uh, it's not going to go away and he's going to have to find a better way to deal with it uh, overall. And hopefully with this tweet, this latest tweet uh, this morning that we, that we talked about, maybe guys from the NFLPA or former teammates. Yeah. I mean, pe- people close to him hopefully will reach out to him and, see if they can help them in some way uh, there. But, uh, I mean, all we can do is kind of, you know, highlight it and talk about it and hope that he doesn't do harm to himself about it. But, I mean, I, nothing that we're going to say are going to de- decrease the amount of pushback that this guy gets for that one play. No, probably not. But I, I do agree with the sentiment that I think Everybody has to move on. Mendenhall should stop talking about the past and whatever accusations he wants to throw around. It does nobody any good, and especially himself. And um, I think any anyone just stop bringing up the fumble. Um, just everybody, just move on. It's it's uh, better for all of us. Elliot Eubanks writes in, dear Dave and Alex, second time, long time. The site is tremendous, and what you guys do is top-notch. Huge fan, and you should be proud of what you created. Thanks for that, Elliot. Uh, in my opinion, Burrow took a tremendous leap when they drafted Chase. Uh, it raised Burrow's confidence, gave him an escape plan that was inherently built from college and allowed the offense to grow. He says if Jordan Addison is 75% of what Chase is, are the Steelers going, doing a Kenny doing Kenny a disservice if you do not draft him at 17th overall if available. He says uh, team listening, backing him, added confidence, fills a need, gives him an escape plan that is inherently built, etc. He says, I believe we have greater needs, defensive line, offensive line, outside linebacker, cornerback in that order. But if Kenny is a franchise, I think this is something that we need to do. What are your thoughts? Uh, thank you for the time and effort. Take care and thanks again. Look, uh, we're like it or not one way or the other, we're going to be talking about Jordan Addison for the next several weeks here uh, for sure. Uh, Kenny has helped. will help that along uh, with every other interview or every interview being asked about him. Uh, do I truly believe Kenny would like Jordan Addison on the Steelers? Yes. Yes, I do. Uh, I see some people kind of frame this up as, the Steelers have uh, more important needs and they don't use slot receivers anyway. That's the fact that they're not using slot receivers is not a good answer to, to that. Uh, I, I think, I don't think where, where we sit right now, I don't think you can totally discount the notion of that happening period. 
and and then I mean that I don't know what more. I mean, we once again we're going to be talking about Jordan Addison all off season here. And didn't you just you just did the profile on mm-hmm. him, uh, Alex, yep. and all? And uh, it's going to be interesting uh, to see how he how he uh, tested the combine and 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 those kind of things there. But um, the old smoke, uh, the old fire wither smoke situation, and and not just because the whole Jamar Chase. Uh, Burrow thing there, but even though that's going to be a talking point along the way that people are going to bring up in this, I I genuine genuinely think Kenny Pickett would like to have Jordan Addison in Pittsburgh. Sure, a hundred percent. It's just a question of what is the right value. I understand all the connections and the usefulness of drafting Jordan Addison to pair with Kenny Pickett. There's a need in this slot. There's there's a need for another weapon. It would be good for Pickett. To me, and maybe this is a bit more of a controversial take, is Addison worth that 17th pick just from a value perspective? And again, you know, judging who do you take in in January is a a tough thing to do based on the board and and team needs and the other half dozen variables. But is Addison to me, you know, that that really first round type receiver talent that that you can say so confidently that he is? I I don't know if I get there. I viewed him kind of more of a day two guy. So not to split hairs so much so early in this process, but I would be more comfortable taking him, say, with that first pick in the second round than I would be right. as a first round pick that my whole, you know, draft class is, is based off of. And we have seen this thing shift over the years, especially this early in the offseason. A lot of people have Addison as their number one or number two wide receiver in this draft class. Uh, you might get come come draft time and 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 uh a lot of people might have round three or four or five at that point you know right and, and he, he's going to be viewed as one of the better receivers in this class but there's also acknowledgement this receiver class is a lot weaker than past classes like it's not even close to what it's been you know last year or, or the past couple additions and so while he may be the top receiver in this class had he been in last year's draft class for example now, he was coming off a great year, but the point is, you know, he probably wouldn't have been one of the top guys. So putting aside number one versus number two, what is your actual greater ranking? There's a difference there. Uh, Elliot, rest assured that we will be talking about uh, Jordan Addison more <laughs> the rest of the offseason. Cody Harvard just had hit one hit the email machine here. He says, hi, David Alex, Cody here. I was wanting your opinion on the offensive line. Would you guys be open to drafting a center? He says, my per- personal favorite is John uh, Michael Schmitz. I believe that's the Minnesota kid. Uh, and have uh, Mason Cole battle with Dotson at guard. He says, I would also like to bring in a tackle, maybe not from uh, the draft, but free agency to compete with Dan Moore. Uh, junior, he says, either way, we need depth in case the injury bug comes around in 2023. He says, I know Alex has issues with Dotson, mostly mental, but I think he has shown he can somewhat handle his role. He says, I'm pretty down on Dan Moore Jr., though. Uh, thank you guys, as always. And I know all of Steelers Depot Nation is glad to have Uncle Dave back for another season. It means a lot. Uh, happy offseason. Can't wait for y'all's insight. Uh, thanks for that, Cody. Uh, I, I I mean I don't know how how more how much more clear we 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 can be with this uh, pre-draft process getting underway here. Uh, they do need to address the offensive line during the draft uh, with one, if not two picks. Uh, 
I kind of wonder after the two free free agent ad, I know everybody wants them to go out and get a, a, a top. We talked about Taylor Lewan just recently. I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, long story short, for a high profile, let's say tackle or guard, I, I just wonder if they're going to go that route free agency. I, from where I sit right now, I, I cut, my bet would be that they're not going to address the line in free agency, but that they will do it in the draft with one or two selections. Uh, I am open, open to drafting another uh, center, but uh, he better be, you know, position flexible. Uh, I, I think I, I will, they draft. I think at, one of their picks, if it's whatever, you know, non-guard or non-tackle, could it be a center later on in the draft? I think that's a potential. But long story short, I, I think they will address the offensive line in the draft, and I would not be surprised if they throw two picks at it as well, uh, one early, one late. Yeah, I think for me the big question is less about if they're going to add to it and address it. They almost certainly will, but – is it, are we talking starter level? Or are we talking backup level? Are we talking about, you know, early picks, late picks, high price for agent or more of that versatile Joe Haig type of backup? And I'm not quite sure which way this thing's going to go right now. It obviously depends on availability and it's out there. Um, those kinds of factors, you know, would I have Mason Cole shift to left guard? Probably not. I get the idea, but I thought Cole did such a good job at center and, I know he's listed pretty big, but I don't think he has quite the size that I would prefer to be a guard in Pittsburgh just in terms of kind of filling out his frame. And I just want to keep him at center because I thought he had a really strong year um, as a communicator, just kind of that anchor point for this O-line. So understand the point there. And, you know, if, if a top center becomes available, you know, maybe that changes the equation some. Um, but just on that question, which I can probably answer the best right now, I would prefer to keep Cole at center. People are not going to want to continue hearing this, but be ready for the week one offensive line to be exactly the way it was uh, in, 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 in 2022, barring injury uh, and yeah. barring this team drafting an offensive lineman in the first round. Uh, those two, those two qualifiers, a first round offensive lineman uh, or an injury happening to one of the five, uh, be prepared for the same five to be the week one starters. The odds of that happening certainly have increased dramatically since even just two months ago. So there's a, there's a decent chance of that happening, but I do think depth has to be addressed. It has to be better. The depth was still poor last year and just only hidden by the fact of the remarkable health this starting five had, which you cannot bank on happening again. Chris Cordova writes in Steelers have AFC North trouble. He says, Hey guys, well, I think the, well, I think the next decade are going to be rough for the Steelers. Uh, he says, well, he says, well, I think the next decade is going to be rough for the Steelers watching the playoffs this weekend. I think the biggest issue with keeping Canada is that already have a negative outlook on next season, watching chiefs, bills and Bengals. Steelers are nowhere near that level of play. They weren't even the best of the last uh, he says, if it wasn't for the Bengals long snapper getting hurt, Lamar getting hurt, playing a weak NFC South division, this season outcome would have gone much worse. Plus, I don't think uh, Canada's play uh, calling got better. I think blah, blah, blah. Young playmakers started going out, out, out of structure more often. I mean, with the Raiders game and Ravens, uh, they did nothing till the fourth quarter. 
the best I see for them is wild card berth and a long road to to the Super Bowl with Canada still around. I doubt even they make the playoffs next year with the young, hungry teams like Jets, Dolphins. That is why it's so sad to see them stick with this guy uh, after two years of dog crap. He says, anyway, you guys keep up uh, the good work. Just my thoughts. Uh, Chris had to get that off of his chest this morning. Look, uh, there, there needs to be a big jump on offense right out of the chute in the first seven games uh, for this team to show us that maybe they can make the playoffs, period. Uh, we, we already talked about yards after the catch. We talked about uh, adjusting net yards for passing attempt, those kind of things there. Make no mistake about it. Yeah, they, this this team has a the gap right now on offense for this team to where these other teams are, especially the final four right now is pretty significant. Yeah. I've mentioned this for a while. The AFC North, the AFC at large is going to be super competitive. And these quarterbacks that we're talking about aren't going anywhere. Joe Burrow, uh, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Trevor Lawrence, you know, Lamar, we'll see what happens to him, but you know, it could still conceivably stay in Baltimore. Um, You know, the other up and comers that are going to, emerge over time does Aaron Rodgers get traded and does he get traded into the AFC I mean that 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 can't be ruled out right now and so you know the Deshaun Watson in Cleveland he'll be better next year and so these guys aren't going anywhere you better have a quarterback and a team than an offense that can can match with that you know having a good defense is is an important counter to these quarterbacks but at some point you're going to have to do more than score 17 points per game to beat you know, Burrow and the Bengals and beat Allen and the Bills and Mahomes and the Chiefs. That's just the math, the reality of it all. And so that's where this team's going to be fighting to try to to get back to uh, over the next couple of years. And how many pieces of this defense can this team get back and keep, you know, kind of have the defense that they had coming out of the season, you know? Sure. And, and hopefully they can keep some of those, you know, core role players like a Cam Sutton, like a Terrell Edmonds. But even if this defense plays at the same level as it did uh, the back half of this year, next year, you're not going to get, you're not going to really make a run unless your offense can put up points. I mean, this offense ranked 21st in points per game last year, 26 this year, even the better half of the the second half of the season, they still averaged what about 20 points per game, if that. And so that's not going to be, that's a path to compete and be a wildcard team and, and be in these games. Sure. But to truly get back into let's make a run at this thing. It's got to be better than, than, than where it currently sits. And look, I mean, we, we get it. Uh, you know, 98, 99.98% of you listening are, are, are still struggling with the decision to, to retain Canada. Okay. I mean, at some point we've got to move the conversation past that though. Yeah. It's just got to move to where do this, where does this offense have to go? Uh, under Canada, not being mad about them retaining him, but okay, what does he have to show to to make that the right choice? And that goes back to to the obvious stuff, points per game, red zone play. I mean, literally the last two years, Pittsburgh's been 23rd in red zone offense, both in 2021 and 2022. They ranked 23rd in the NFL. You are not going to win games with a 23rd ranked offense in in the red zone. Right. And look, I mean, the other things, you know, yards after catch, explosive plays, uh, uh, a year from now, we're not going to be talking about Canada if this team does not make significant improvements on the offensive side of football. Yeah, a hundred percent. They they got to make big strides, and that's why it can't be about just getting better and making small strides and 
light at the end of the tunnel type conversation. It has to be they have arrived. And again, doesn't have to mean they're a top five offense scoring 30 points per game, but they got to be a top half of the league. They got to be much better in the red zone. They got to create more explosive plays. Those are those are expectations, not just hopes. Deshaun Campbell writes, I know you guys give your honest and full opinion on things. So I ask you guys this. He says, I know, I know it's hard to tell because he was just a rookie, but do you guys see anything in Kenny Pickett that tells you he can be anything close to Mahomes, the Allens, or Burroughs in the AFC, even lesser with uh, Lamar and Herberts of the world? Or maybe the Steelers don't need him to be that good. Uh, just have a 49ers team around him. That will make it easier for him to succeed. Look, Deshaun, that everybody wants to know right now, it can Kenny be that guy? And uh, I, I'll go back to what I always say. I I think you know we get six or seven games into next season, we're going to have a, a lot better idea at that point. All I will say is that we we the things that we learned about Kenny so far. Uh, Cool as a cucumber, uh, uh, right from the get-go. The, uh, it, it's not the job is not too big for, for him from the from a pressure standpoint. We saw some good accuracy with him. We saw the interceptions go down after that rough rough start. Which even so, interceptable balls overall weren't weren't bad for him uh, as a whole. Uh, we saw towards the end of the year the ability to. Uh, extend mid plays and make plays that way. Uh, he's talked several times already this offseason about, you know, once he got into that offense and it was his, slowly making the adjustment to making it his offense and the things, the growing pains that go along with it, him being a rookie, yada, yada. And I know people want to say, well, look what's going on with, with, with Purdy over there. Well, look, I, I, that's, that's a testament to, to, to what they're able to do with, with in that Mike Shanahan offense for, for, for start or Kyle Shanahan, Mike Kyle Shanahan offense for starters. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, kudos to them. Uh, uh, and to Purdy's credit, he's, he's thrown some, he's made some good decisions and thrown some good balls on top of it there. So it's not just that on top of it there. Long answer short. I, I don't think either one of us, Deshaun can sit here and tell you right now, can he be in that top, six category of quarterbacks in this league. It's it's too early to tell. Yeah, it's not really where my mind is at right now. I'm just kind of trying to evaluate his rookie year and, you know, can he be the quarterback of the future, the long term? Um, and obviously he'll be the starter for, for 2023 and there's encouraging signs about his long term prospects. You know, do I think he'll ever actually truly be a Mahomes or Allen level type of quarterback, a top two, top three in football? Almost certainly not. And that's no knock on him. That just that's a very elite club to be a part of and the physical traits and tools that those guys have Allen especially are things you just can't teach and things you really just either you have or you don't have and pick it you know it just doesn't have like 99.9% of other quarterbacks in football so but can he become a very good quarterback that's maybe in that tier two right behind those guys that can really compete with a good defense and maybe a little bit of good luck on your side yeah potentially we'll keep watching and you know see what jump he makes in 2023. So I understand the question and it's an important one when you frame again, you know, how do you win long-term? How do you compete in an AFC that's going to have those guys playing for the next decade? Um, But right now I'm just kind of focused on next steps with Kenny Pickett. How many years of Ben Roethlisberger's career would he have been a consensus considered a consensus slam dunk top five quarterback in the NFL? 
Well, that's a good question. Um, you know, always competing with Tom Brady and, and Peyton Manning and Rogers. I, I don't know for sure the answer to that. I want to say it might be a bit more than two when you're talking top five, which is a bit broader. Um, I would maybe say I, I'm just spitballing. I don't know, you know, five, six years, but I really I'm just off the top of my head right now. All right. But for most of his career, probably was he considered top seven? Yeah, again, I'd have to sit down and think about you know the list of quarterbacks that played you know during each kind of decade and era, but that that's probably reasonable to say, sure. You know, and if you can get Kenny to you know be widely considered, you know across the board a top seven quarterback in the NFL, you can win championships with that. Yeah, I think so. Um, again, the concern that I had with Pickett coming out is just. He could, I think he could become a very good quarterback, but will you kind of be in that purgatory where he's at a Kirk Cousins, Derek Carr level where you're a good quarterback and you can make plays and win games and, you know, be solid in the regular season, but can you get over that hump and really compete and drive in the AFC and the playoffs? Are you kind of going to be capped at a 10, 11 win team that gets bounced in the divisional round? Something like that. That's, that's maybe the concern about the upside about Kenny Pickett. I look, I think that first six, seven games of 2023, there there need to be a lot of the uh Matthew uh McConaughey, all right, all right, all right, <laughs> you know, uh kind of uh reactions uh within that. Uh that's that to me is the is the next part of this thing when it comes to evaluating him. I really think that that's when we will learn uh quite a bit more about Kenny Pickett. Sure. But what what Pickett did down the stretch this year, especially some of those glimpses at the outer structure plays gave me a ton of encouragement for what he can do next year. Right. I mean, there, there were things to definitely build on down the stretch in those last, last few games. Right. So we will take it one step at a time, see how he looks in year two and and go from there. Uh, Let's see. Taylor Carpenter writes in Dave and Alex, I'll, Keep it brief as I know Dave gets annoyed at long emails. Uh, my question to both of you is, will the Steelers trade back into 2023 draft at any point? Yes or no, go. Uh, he says, <laughs> I just looked back at the Eagles trade history over the last few drafts, and they appeared to be very active, including trading back several times. Kevin Colbert almost never traded back, he says, uh, most seeming to not even field trade calls. When you look at how quickly most of the Steelers picks came in i'm hoping the new regime will have a more open mind to trading back we need a serious infusion of young talent in in my opinion i would have preferred to address our needs via uh the draft than free agency best steelers coverage out there guys i never miss an episode taylor in athens ohio uh i getting predictive and that kind of stuff is just, uh, I mean, incredible. Uh, he wants a yes or no right now. I will say no. I will say yes. For the reasons that, uh, the reader mentioned, I, you know, no guarantees it's all case by case, but I think it'll be a, a much greater appetite under con and Weidel to move up and down the board, especially down, uh, than it was under Kevin Colbert. All right, Taylor, you got a one yes and one no, please do not bring it up again. Unless I wind up being correct here. Uh, <laughs> those are the rules. Uh, those are the rules. Uh, we'll pretend that Alex never said it. Uh, if they did now, look, we, I, I don't know. I mean, could, could they? Absolutely. They could. You just never know how these things are going to go. Right. Uh, I, I don't think you're going to see it in the first, you know, first couple of rounds. 
you know, for sure. But, you know, never say never. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can't say that right now. We'll see. Uh, let's see. I think we got through most of them. Uh, yeah, I think we got through most of them here, Alex. So, uh, right. what, are, what are we about an hour today? Yeah. A little bit shorter today. Uh, we do have a live stream tonight at uh, 8 PM or 7 PM. Yeah. 7 PM Eastern time. So, uh, be sure to check that out and you can ask more of those questions with Dave and, and myself, 7 PM uh, Eastern time. All right. Uh, go to Alex's, uh, what what do all the kids say? Uh, subscribe, like. Yeah, smash that like button oh, okay. and subscribe. Uh, yeah, please do. Yeah, yeah, do all that, and uh, we look forward to a big crowd uh, later on tonight. Uh, so in the meantime, we will be back on Wednesday. When's the bat signal going to go up for uh, Art Rooney, Alex? Probably Wednesday as we're recording is kind of the way that Rooney will probably do it to us. I will I will take that as opposed to them waiting until Friday uh, <laughs> uh, within that. But anyway, whatever happens between now and Wednesday, Alex and I'll be back to talk about it. You can follow me on Twitter at Studios Depot. Follow Alex on Twitter at Alex underscore Kazora. Follow the show at Terrible Podcast. Email the show, theterriblepodcast at gmail.com. If you like what we do and want to donate to the cause, please go to StudiosDepot.com and uh, hit the donate button up right navigation. Bar. Also, if you want an ad-free version of SteedersDepot.com, uh, go hit the ad-free button up right, navigational bar, and uh, follow the directions that way. I think we had a couple of signups of that last couple of days as well, too. Uh, emails, theterriblepodcast at gmail.com. Hope you're reading all the great draft profiles we have coming out on SteedersDepot.com. A lot of people participating in that. Uh, we will have the Vegas crew out here by the end of the week here to cover the East-West Shrine game. And a couple of days Days later, Alex will be taking a handful of the guys uh, to Mobile, if you will, uh, to uh, to uh, to cover the Senior Bowl down there. So a lot of exciting uh, stuff going on for us. Uh, in the meantime, as always, thanks for listening to the Terrible Podcast with Dave and Alex.